Hey everybody, my name is Erin Rose. I'm here filling in for Nicole Eunice, everybody's favorite Bible teacher. I'm really glad to be able to spend this time in God's word with you guys. Um, Love Nicole so deeply. She's a great mentor and friend of mine. Uh, A little bit about me, so you're not just like, well, who's this lady filling in for Nicole? She seems random. Uh, I was a pastor for several years and um now i sell real estate so if you're in the richmond area and you need a realtor call me up um but seriously i was a pastor for many years i've loved the bible for as long as i could remember when i was in high school i used to i had a boyfriend a little boyfriend back then that i was really into and we used to see how um I have a competition to see how many Bible verses we could memorize. And I was really good, but he was better, um, which just got under my skin so bad. But yeah, I, I just, I love the Bible. I've always engaged with it um, pretty easily, but I feel excited to be able to share um, just some tools about how to read the Bible. I, I don't know who, who all is listening. There could be some beginning Bible scholars. There could be some seasoned veterans in the study of the word of God. For everyone, there's always deeper depths and higher heights that we could go when engaging with the Bible. And that's what's so cool about it. Like, if you have the right tools, you can be a beginner and glean like eternal truths from it. Um, but you can also be extremely experienced with handling the word God, a word of God and see fresh things and fresh takes, um, that you haven't necessarily seen or experienced before. So I love it. I'm excited. Hopefully we're all excited as we're listening. Cool. Let's, let's dive in. So, um, We are in a series called The Questions of Jesus, or it's called Jesus Questions. Basically, when Jesus is asking a question, tune in, because Jesus is getting ready to show you something about himself. Jesus is getting ready to show us something about the Father. Um, Jesus is getting ready to show us something about the world. Jesus is getting ready to show us something about ourselves um, and completely bust up a paradigm that, um, you know, just break up the status quo. And I love it when Jesus does that. So just a couple of tips uh, that I have when it comes to reading the Bible. And I'm sure Nicole has talked about this at some point, but I'm going to go over them anyway. I think that when you're reading the Bible and you really just want to learn how to like engage with it, um, it's important to understand one, that scripture was not written to us, it, but it is for us. So um, there are Lots of different authors and contributors to the collection of books that we know as the Bible. And they were written a long, long time ago in in cultures vastly different from our own. So it's really important to remember that. Um, And I think that a tool to help us stay, keep our minds kind of seated in the culture in which the passage is set, um, or even the timeline in which the passage is set, our book of the Bible was that um, is to have a study Bible. Study Bibles often give you those like introductions of a book. So if today we're going to be in the book of Mark. 
if you have a study Bible, they give you a page or two, maybe three pages. And it's really, 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 really tiny font. And it'll be a description of the book of Mark, who the author is and how the book has been used throughout Christianity and throughout Christendom and what other books in the Bible were inspired by the content in Mark and what are some things that are revealed about the character of Jesus or what are some things that are revealed about the character or the nature of God and God's people. It's important. So don't skip that part. I used to never look at those pages because I just thought it was boring. Don't skip it. Just look at it, read it, engage it. Um, And it helps you get your mind right for um, when you get started reading. Another tip I have is to, when you are reading your Bible, I know we all have our phones, we all have our computers, and we're like, we wake up in the morning, we open the Bible app, log on to it, and we read that one verse just so we can get like our streak, we can keep our streak going for the next like week or so. My recommendation is, if you want to get serious, read your Bible, like get a hard copy Bible and read it because you should read it with um, pen, like get a pen, colored pencils, regular pencil, mark your Bible up because you want to be asking yourself questions. If anything sticks out to you, if anything feels weird, or if there's something you want to go back and reference later, if something doesn't make sense, mark it down. Or also like if the Holy Spirit, we believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us whenever we engage with, with scripture. So, you know, God might be speaking to your heart. He might be stirring in your heart when you read a particular passage. It's important if you, that you're able to highlight that and mark that down. So, I mean, at the very least, if you've got an iPad Air or an iPad Pro or a regular iPad and they got the little pencil thing and you can write on the screen, do that. But I would just, I would suggest getting a hard copy Bible and marking it up. Okay. Legit. Take your Bible shreds. Just, just go in. Okay. So we're going to get started. I promise. Uh, the, we're talking about the questions of Jesus. And in this passage, the question I'm focusing on, we'll be focusing on today. We'll be thinking about is Jesus is asking, why are you so afraid? And it comes from Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. And I mean, that's, I mean, talking about fear, so a bunch of stuff bubbles up in my mind when I hear that question. Like when I think about why would Jesus be asking, why are you so afraid? Because I know for myself, for my peers, you know, fear and anxiety are real things that we deal with every day. Um, so it kind of feels like, Jesus, you know why I'm afraid. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's stuff feels insecure. Stuff feels uncertain. But we're going to get to that later. We're going to read from in Mark chapter 4. Verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Okay, so the first thing we're going to look at is what does it say? Honestly, so when I was reading it just now, uh, and I read this passage previously to um, prepare for this, you know, recording this podcast, but something new jumped out for me and I didn't even recognize it. So as you're reading, you should be thinking about like, what are some words or phrases that are repeated often? Um, what questions do I need to ask? What does it make sense to me? Looking at actually like what's actually in the text. So um, they're talking about boats a lot. There's a storm. Jesus is sleeping. They were somewhere and Jesus wants to go to the other side. They're in boats. There's several other boats. Storm, chaos ensues. Jesus is asleep, which is like... You don't really hear about Jesus being asleep a lot in scripture. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's a unique situation. And then Jesus performed a miracle, just like slight work. But then he turned around and fussed at his disciples. And the disciples were just like, you can be mad, but man, even the sun and the wind. I mean, like they were like, cool, Jesus got mad at us, but can we just talk about what he just did just now? Can we just talk about how um, our lives were in danger and we was about to can be capsized, be lost at sea. And he just said, peace, be still and everything stopped. Let's, let's focus on that. I mean, that's just the stuff that sticks out with me. Boats, waters, disciples, miracles, Jesus, questions being asked. But let's look at the backstory because this, if I'm reading this in a vacuum, it, it can be kind of like, oh, what's going on here? So if we scroll, I'm, I said scroll because I, I, I am on an electronic device. But if we go up to the top of Mark chapter four, we can see that Jesus is actually teaching crowds and crowds of people. In the beginning of chapter four, it says, again, he began to teach by the sea. Jesus went out by the water and a very large crowd. This is verse one of chapter four. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So what happened there was Jesus was honestly so amazing at doing what he was doing. People were flocking to him. So he was on the shore, but then the people kept crowding him and he said, I need some space. Let me back up. I'm going to go ahead and get in this boat. Y'all, all y'all stay on the shore. I'm going to get on the boat. So um, as you read through the chapter, Jesus is giving all of these like powerful lessons, these parables, teaching about the kingdom of God, giving all these different, I mean, amazing words in this one setting. And of course, more and more people are coming and coming and it just becomes, you know, Jesus is at a certain point. Jesus is ready to go. And that's where we pick up on verse 35. On that day, that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, he being Jesus, let us go across to the other side. He was already on the sea. He said to his boys that was in the, the 12 disciples, they were in the boat with him. He said, let's go all the way over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. That was the part when I was reading it earlier in the in the in this podcast, I just was like, there were other boats with him. What in the world? I completely missed that. So I don't even know. I'm just like, were there more than the 12 disciples? Were some disciples on smaller boats? 
where there were some of the ladies there as well. Like, I just, I have no idea. Some questions we're not going to have answers to, but it's a question that I have. We should be asking ourselves, what is the backstory? So we talked about some of the context, but then let's just think and just, just think about it from like a human standard, not imposing like our own thoughts or ideas on it, but just thinking about Jesus had been publicly speaking for hours and hours to give all, I mean, he started during the day and then evening came. So that's hours. He was probably exhausted and you can see that he was exhausted because he was in the boat sleeping super, super hard. From there, you can really see the humanity of Jesus because I mean, let's all say if we're all operating under the assumption that Jesus is fully God and fully human, this is a part of the witness of Jesus being really human. Jesus had just exerted a ton of relational energy, a ton of spiritual energy and authority. And he was tired. He just was like, all right, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Let me just go lay down. And so Jesus, I mean, appears, it appears that he had the rest of his life. I mean, because they get out on the boat and they get into the sea, getting ready to go across to the other side and it starts raining and storming. And I mean, I don't know if Jesus had like a covering on or if they were used to like just being in the elements a little bit differently back then. But Jesus is sleep knocked out, gone, like just in another, you know what I'm saying? Just really just in that, in a deep REM cycle. Um, And so, I mean, the disciples were worried. They were like afraid. And so, you know, they'd walked with them, but up at this, up until this point, you know, we're only, they've seen some miracles. They've heard some teachings. They see the crowds flocking to him, but they're just like, okay, is this how it all ends with this guy being asleep in the front of the boat? And we just all drown to death. And he doesn't, and he doesn't notice like what in the world? So now that we've talked a little bit about the backstory, you know, these guys have, his disciples have left everything to go and follow him They're, You know, they see all the crowds of people and, you know, it's nice to be a part of his like exclusive set. Um, but then they're with him when things get crazy. Like the people that were being taught on the beach, they didn't have the experience that the 12 disciples had on the boat with Jesus. So yeah, it's nice to be like, one of the special cool ones, I guess the chosen ones, but they're the ones that were out there scared for their lives and wondering if it were all going to end while the people that were on the, on the beach, listening to the sermon, they probably home in their beds relaxed. I don't know. That's, I'm just saying that. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just, that's how I imagine it. The next thing we're going to th- talk about is once we feel familiar with the passage, when we're, we know pretty much like what it actually says, We're going to move into asking ourselves, well, what does this mean? Not what does this mean for me yet, but literally what does it mean? And that's actually where it can get a little fuzzy when we're trying to pull meaning from the text. We can either exegete, which which means to pull meaning from the text, or we can eisegete, which means we're putting on meaning uh, from our own context, from our own understanding onto the text. 
we don't necessarily want to eisegete and we do want to exegete. We want to get as close to what the original author was trying to convey as possible. And that's why it's important to understand the historical and social and spiritual context of the passage. What it means is, I mean, Jesus was expressing, I mean, he was tired. We can see his humanity pretty clearly. We can also see the disciples very real fear. Um, but we also see that like Jesus rebukes the wind and says to the sea, peace be still and everything stops. So like, it makes sense to me that Jesus rebukes the wind I feel like Jesus was like, come on, y'all. Like, y'all wouldn't, y'all can't allow me just a moment's rest, a moment's peace. Uh, I'm just joking. I don't think Jesus was saying that. But I mean, I think that Jesus is master and Lord of all. And I think it's like a amazing display of his power to show that like, he even has the authority to rebuke them. Because when you rebuke something, you have some level of authority or um, in their existence, like somebody that's beneath me, if they try to rebuke me, it doesn't mean anything, but somebody that's above me, if they rebuke me, it means something. So it's like, we see this like juxtaposition of Jesus's humanity because he's so exhausted and he's so tired. And then his deity, um, he's, he's literally stopping a storm. He's stopping a storm from happening. It's peace be still. The wind ceased. This is verse number 40. Jesus said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. That's crazy. We see his, he gets up. He's just rubbing the coal out of his eyes and then performs this this miracle. And then everything is still. Then he turns his attention to the disciples. And we get finally to this question. Why are you so afraid? And that question gets me every single time. I'd be like, Jesus, what do you mean? Why am I so afraid? These brothers was out here about to die. They were about to lose their lives. Why shouldn't they be afraid? You were asleep and not waking up. <laughs> like the boat was getting pitched back and forth. It says, um, it says the waves were breaking into the boat and the boat was filling and Jesus was lying there. And he didn't wake up until they said something to him. Like, yes, we're afraid. The disciples said to him, teacher, do you not care that we were perishing? They were scared for their lives. What in the world? Jesus, stop asking them that. But so then I just was like, all right, Lord, help me understand. Like, what are some things that you're showing to be true about yourself? What are some things that you're showing to be true about us in the passage? And when you're asking this question, why are you so afraid? And then the follow-up question that Jesus asked is, have you still no faith? And it's just like, okay, let me, let me think. What should they, why shouldn't they have been afraid? And what should they have had faith in? Even though everything around them was pointing to your lives are about to be gone and lost. Why should they still have not been afraid? And how are they not showing faith? Because they, they, they said to Jesus, all right, Jesus. Now they, they had nowhere else to turn. It wasn't, you know, they didn't start. It doesn't say they started calling on any other rain God. Like they went to Jesus and said, all right, you the one that can fix this. So how is this them showing that, um, they don't have any faith. And so I'm wondering, this is just me when I'm thinking about the context of Jesus's ministry, 
This is towards the beginning. Um, if you look in the previous chapter of Mark, Mark chapter three, the disciples were called together not that long ago. Now, I don't know what the like the actual um, timeline was, but we can see where the disciples are in their knowing of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. They knew, all right, um, well, we've seen a couple of miracles. He teaches as with one of great authority. We don't have anybody to ask but him. But it just honestly, I'm wondering, and this is what I asked the Lord, and this we're blending this into now, like not just what does it mean, but what does it mean for me? But I'm wondering like if Jesus was disappointed at the fact that he did that they thought he would actually let them die. Was that why he was expressing disappointment or was he expressing disappointment that they were afraid to die even though they were with Jesus? Does that make sense? If they knew that they were with the Lord of all heaven, why would they be afraid for even a second? even if they were about to lose their natural lives. And I think it's at that moment when Jesus is saying, why are you afraid? Have you still no, have you still no faith? Like, why do you continue having no faith? You should know by now. I think at that moment, it's showing us what the disciples believe about Jesus. They believe Jesus can do some stuff. But they don't necessarily believe yet that he's the son of God, that he actually is the Lord of earth and land and sky and sea, that he's the Lord of life and death, that he's the master of all of it. And no matter what happens to your natural body, being present with the Lord supersedes any of that, any sort of peril that comes to your natural body presence with the Lord is better and greater than that. As I read further in the passage in verse 40, 41, it says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? So their minds, what this is telling me is that their minds isn't even on the eternal supremacy of Jesus Christ. Their minds are still being wowed that he has control over the natural elements. They haven't even been able to conceive that he has power over natural and spiritual spiritual and physical and metaphysical. And I mean, he just, his power and his reign goes beyond what they can see or imagine. So what does this mean for me? I mean, for real, y'all, when I'm reading a passage like this, I'm trying to look at it. I don't always try to see it like, okay, so what is Jesus trying to say when Jesus is saying, Aaron, why are you so afraid? Have you still don't I, I, I try not to see myself through the eyes of the hero. Jesus is the hero. Um, I try to see myself through the eyes of the onlooker, maybe a disciple, if I can maybe get there, but just somebody in the background. So honestly, I feel like I, I, I choose to identify more with like the disciples who are still operating within a limited understanding of Jesus. So for me, when I go to God's word, 
I don't always leave with answers. I can, I, I sometimes leave with questions. So the question I'm asking for myself is, where's my understanding of you limited? Even though you've proved yourself again and again, even though it's clear that you are who you are, what am I blind to? What am I not seeing? Even though I'm asking you to do something amazing and wonderful, if I'm, am I missing your truest essence? And so that's, you know, that's going to be what my prayer is. Honestly, this is super convicting for me. I didn't know I was going to do all this, you know, but here we are. That's how the word of God is. I've read this passage a million times and I've, I've not gotten that from that. I've gotten other things. And that's what I'm saying about the Bible. Y'all, the Bible is sweet. Like the Holy Spirit really do be working on us. Like really does, really does. And it's just like, it's convicting, but it's also like, it still feels like God's loving kindness is drawing me in. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's so good. Well, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, to talk about another Jesus question. So let me just pray for everyone that's here. Father, we glorify you and bless your name. You are holy. You are righteous. You are good. You are exalted forever and ever. Your kingdom knows no end. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, enlighten our understanding, God. Help us to see you. Lord, expose those places that we just have been short-sighted and we've been fearful because we've been short-sighted allow us to allow your presence to have the full work um that it's meant to have god lord i pray for every voice every heart every heart under the sound of my voice we love you lord in jesus name amen all right y'all see you in a couple weeks thanks for listening to how to study the bible with nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleUnis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, you can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.